0: Good morning, City Church. Happy Sunday. Isn't this exciting? You know, I'm reminded as we enter into this season for City Church that church is not a building and church is not a time. Church isn't a place. It's a people gathering together with one another, loving Jesus. And we can do that anywhere. We can do that at the armory when it's our time to do that at the armory. We can do that in another location. We can do that house to house right now. And so it's my honor this week to share the message as we gather together from house to house, celebrating Jesus, loving on Jesus, and loving on one another. And so before we dive into the word, let's spend just a moment praying together. Heavenly Father, we bless you and we thank you. And we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you that you love us so very, very much. And we pray today, Lord, that you would bless this time that we are together. We pray, Lord, that you would come and you would meet us. For your word says where two or more are gathered, you are right there in our midst. And we pray that, Holy Spirit, you would move in each one of our homes this week as we gather together to hear the word about Jesus, as we gather together to celebrate the Father as we gather together and we spend time with one another, being the church. And so we bless you and we thank you. Amen. And so it's a little different this week and it's exciting. I'm very excited to have the opportunity to talk because I like to talk and I really like to talk about Jesus. And I'm hoping this week we can, although we really can't be conversational, and I understand that because you have no way of communicating with me, Um, I'm hoping that overall we can be more conversational than maybe we would normally be on a Sunday morning. We're continuing this week in our seven I am statements of Jesus. Remember back a couple weeks ago, Pastor Mike shared that when Moses was out in the wilderness, he saw the burning bush. And when he was instructed to go to Pharaoh, he was told to tell him that I am who I am sent me. And so the seven I am statements by Jesus are so important because they are reminders of who Jesus is, who he is as in that divine nature of Jesus. And so Pastor Mike, a couple weeks ago, he shared about Jesus being the bread of life. And anytime I, I think about that, I can't help but recall when Jesus was in the wilderness and the, uh, the, the devil was tempting him. And Jesus said to him, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the uh, mouth of the Father. And we know that the John, book of John starts off and says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. He's that very word of God, that very bread of God. And we get to live because of him. Last week, Tony was talking about Jesus being the door, the gateway, the the way that we get to enter into the presence of God, that through Jesus, we have the opportunity to leave the harsh reality of this world that we live in and to be able to be ushered into the very presence of the King, which is so awesome. Didn't Tony do a great job last week? I I mean, my family and our um, house church and the people that were with us, we all just so appreciated it, Tony. So shout out to you. Um, Great job last week. But the message he brought is so important, that Jesus is that doorway. Jesus is the the way we get in to be with the Father. This week, we're going to continue on in the 7 am statements. And we're going to continue in the beginning here, um, really from the passage where Tony left off last week, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking about being the door, and then he goes on to talk about this week's topic. So let's pick up where we left off last week. And that's the book of John, chapter 10. I like the new King James version. It's not as flowery language as the old King James, uh, so it's a little more updated and modern. But I do like the cadence. So I know it might be a little different than what you're used to. Maybe if it's not what you're used to, just close your eyes and sit back and listen. Um, But let's pick up the story where we left off last week. And so John chapter 10, starting at verse 7. And Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come. That they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who does not, I'm sorry, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. As the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father. Ah, I read that. Here we go, verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I received from the Father. Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings, and many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Last week when Tony was sharing, one of the things that he said was that Jesus is talking about being a shepherd and having sheep. And here in 21st century America, we're a little bit separated, I think, from the normal lives of shepherds. At least for me, I don't think there's ever been a time I've encountered anyone when I asked them what they did for a living, they said, oh, I'm a shepherd. It's just not a profession I generally run into very often. And so it'd be easy for us to read this and, and think about it for a moment and say, oh, I know what a shepherd is. He takes care of sheep and move on from there without really considering what this would have meant when Jesus said it to the people that he said it to in his day, who were very used to seeing shepherds, who were quite intimately aware of what it meant to live the life of a shepherd. And so it's important for us as 21st century Christians, and especially 21st century Christians living in America, to look and see what it means to be a shepherd and what it means to have Jesus as our good shepherd. And that's where we're going today. A few of the things that stood out to me in this passage as I was reading it, one was the fact that Jesus says, I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. Jesus knows us. So as we talk a little bit more about what it means to be a shepherd and to be a sheep, let's not forget that. Let's not forget that Jesus knows us and that we have an opportunity to know him. I also thought it was interesting that he says that he has sheep of another flock. That's pretty cool. I don't really know what that means. Was Jesus talking about us, the Gentiles? Was he talking about something else? I don't know. Isn't that fun? I love it the fact that we don't have to know everything. And that there'll be some great questions that we can ask Jesus when we get to heaven. So who is this other flock? Were you talking about me back then when you were talking to the Jews? How exciting would that be? But maybe he's talking about something else entirely. And that'll be fun to find out too. And I think it's interesting that in this passage, Jesus brings up this thief, this new character. Jesus is the door by which we get to enter into that, that sheepfold. We get to enter into that corral. If you recall last week, Tony was talking about that, how the shepherds would go out and bring their sheep out into the pastures and then at night bring them back to the corral and, and that many shepherds would actually co their sheep together in this one big corral that they were all sharing to keep their sheep safe. And so isn't it interesting that there's this thief that comes into the corral. He doesn't come through the door because he's not coming in through Jesus. He's coming in and he has one purpose. To steal, to kill, and destroy. Again, as 21st century Americans, it's, it's really easy to forget about that. It's easy to get caught up in our technology. It's easy to get caught up in our scientific world and to forget that there's this whole other spiritual component to life. This whole other spiritual component to our existence. There's a thief, and he wants to kill and steal and destroy. But for today, the topic is the good shepherd. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. So let's let's take a look at another passage of scripture to learn a little bit more about being a good shepherd. And so you're probably jumping there ahead of me, but let's go to Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. And it is the Lord, the shepherd of his people. And you may have heard this before. You may be familiar with it. I challenge you to put aside some of those preconceived notions perhaps and to listen and to dive into this scripture with a different understanding this passage is really cool king david is writing this psalm and it's really that just means it's a poem and when he writes it he writes it from the perspective of the sheep and so i want you to imagine as we're reading this together that really the sheep have gone out and they've come back into that corral And they've commingled sheep from all sorts of different shepherds are there mingling around inside the corral, talking to one another as sheep do. You know. I mean, they're sheep. And, you know, don't forget, we're we're compared to sheep a lot in the Bible, and there's plenty of good reasons for that. We have some very sheep-like characteristics. So it's not that crazy to think about sheep talking to one another in the corral. I don't think. You essentially have a couple sheep having a conversation, you know, when one sheep says to the other, you know, do you like your shepherd? And the sheep says, well, he's not too bad. I had to do it. My kids right now are cringing, but that was for David Rice because I know David Rice will love it. He loves the dad jokes, right? They're not too bad. Anyway, I'm sure Nathan's cringing. So the sheep are talking and one sheep says to the other, You know, tell me about your shepherd. And that's where we pick up with David in Psalm 23. He writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's so easy to start that off and just kind of say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No real uh, emphasis, no real emotion. But I challenge you now to read this passage differently because here we have a sheep who's not just saying, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. He's boasting. He's saying, you know what, my shepherd my shepherd is the Lord. My shepherd is the creator of the heavens and the earth. I see your shepherd over there. I see where he takes you off to your little treks in your little fields and whatever you do all day long. I don't care because let me tell you about my shepherd, right? I see this like Italian or Portuguese uh, sheep, you know, let me tell you about my shepherd with the hands going. My shepherd's the Lord. He created the heavens and the earth. My shepherd is a star breathing God. My shepherd calls the stars by name and they come out at night. My shepherd, he leads the children of Israel out of the Egypt and through the, the desert and into the promised land. He leads them by a, a cloud, a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. My shepherd. Oh, my shepherd's amazing. He owns the the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the gold under the hills. My shepherd, my shepherd is the very Lord God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know, I don't know who your shepherd is. I don't know who gets you up in the morning. I don't know who walks out with you and, and brings you on your day. But my shepherd, he's the Lord God. My shepherd thinks more good thoughts towards me than there are grains of sand in the ocean my shepherd he sings a new song over me every single morning scripture says that that's my shepherd for those of us who are christians and we know this passage in john where jesus says i'm the good shepherd well we can add some more things to it you can say jesus is my shepherd jesus is my good shepherd jesus who turned water into wine that's my shepherd jesus who healed the blind man that's my shepherd Jesus, who made the lame man uh, walk again, my shepherd. Jesus, who raised Lazarus from the dead, he's my shepherd. Jesus, who walked that path with the cross on his back and gave his life on Golgotha. Jesus, who laid down his very life for me. The scripture says that Jesus became sin, that I might become the very righteousness of God. That's my shepherd. You see, it's, it's a couple sheep hanging out. And each one is telling about their shepherd. And then one of them just starts to boast. Because the Lord is his shepherd. That's what David is trying to get across to us. He's trying to get across to us that we, like those sheep, should be telling other people. We, like those sheep, should be ready to boast on how amazing Jesus is. That we, like those sheep, can sit back and say, My shepherd, my Jesus, he found me at a little camp. When I was 17 years old. And he told me, Kevin, you have a purpose. Kevin, you matter to me. Kevin, I love you. I have a future for you and a hope for you. Kevin, I have good things that I want for you in your life. And I haven't forgotten about you. And you're not rejected. You're loved. You're adored. That's the good shepherd. And so David writes, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it's easy to, to think, well, that means he would never be without something. And on the one hand, I'm sure there were seasons where David didn't have every single thing he ever wanted. Another translation of that would be, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll never really be in need. I'll never be without that thing which I truly, truly need in my life. Maybe I won't get everything I want when I want it. Maybe I won't get as much of it as I want. But there's nothing that I would ever need that the Lord wouldn't be able to provide. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present. He's there. He can create a world with his voice. He can separate light from dark. There's nothing that I truly need that he would ever not be able to provide for me. That's what he's saying. He's boasting on the Lord. And then David kind of goes through Uh, kind of like a season for a sheep and so he says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters sheep are kind of like people like i said before and you know people we know this we're really made up of three parts we have our body and we have our soul and we have our spirit right we have this body this earth suit that lets us interact with things And we need to eat and we need to drink and we need to sleep and all those things to keep this earth suit going. But one day, this earth suit will fail. and One day, we'll move from this life into another life. But while we're here, it's hard sometimes for us to lie down. It's hard for us to be at peace. And that's what David's saying here. He's saying, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. David's talking about our purpose. As sheep, we're created. As sheep, as people, we're like sheep. We're created to be at peace. We're created to be at rest. In the garden, there was no strife. In the garden of Eden, the, the ground gave up its fruit very easily. It was after that Adam and Eve sinned that God cursed the ground and said, you have to work now for the ground to produce. But before then, the ground gave up its fruit very easily to Adam and Eve. We were designed, we were created to really live a life of peace, to be at rest. And so like these sheep, we have to recognize that's really what our identity is. For a sheep to be at peace, to be able to lie down, it has to be well fed. It has to have a full belly. Otherwise, it'll go wandering off looking for more things to eat, like us, right? I mean, all we, like sheep, have wandered off and gone astray. The same situation. If a sheep has a full belly, they can sit down and they can rest. They can lie down and they can be at peace. They also have to not have any strife amongst themselves. And like sheep, we behave much the same way, don't we? Looking to try to get ahead. Looking to get a little bit more for us. Fighting with one another. Sheep have what they call their, their butting order where they headbutt one another and the most dominant sheep gets the very best of the grasses to eat on. And then there's like a pecking order going down from there um, so that the weakest of the, the sheep don't get as much. And they won't lay down unless they've gotten enough that they can be at peace, that they're not worried that some other sheep is going to come along and eat their food, is going to drive them away. So for a sheep to lie down, they've, they've got to have enough to eat. They've got to be at rest. They can't be be worried. They can't be stressed out. And the last thing they need to be is free from insects buzzing around them. That will disturb a sheep. So that they can't really find a spot to rest anymore. And that I totally understand. I'm probably one of the lightest sleepers that exists. If there's a strange sound, I wake up. If there's a strange light, I wake up. Um, If there was a mosquito in my room, forget it. That little whining, buzzing in my ear, there's no way I can sleep. Um, I just want the thing to land so I can kill it. Sorry to all of you nature lovers who love the mosquitoes. You know, I think of Lilo and Stitch and Pleakley being like, yeah, these things are not so great. Let's kill them all. So, you know, that's me. I just can't deal with the mosquitoes. I'm a sheep. That's who I am. Um, But David says that God created us to find rest. He created us to be led by those still waters. And you think about um, a still water, a vast bit of water that you can sit in front of. It's so restful. It's so peaceful. You just kind of find yourself slowing down. For a sheep, they would know that it was a good source to be able to get enough to drink because that's always a concern. Sheep usually live in, in those arid areas, so they would like having a big source of water they could drink from. Still waters are usually deep and very slow moving if they're moving at all. And so, again, it speaks to this depth, this, this thing that you can count on, that it's not going anywhere. I can rest easy because this still water is here. It provides a natural barrier to keep me safe from predators. And I can drink from it when I'm thirsty and I can find refreshment in it if I'm hot. And so the sheep that gets to lie down in those green pastures and gets to be led by those still waters can be at peace. That's really what our goal should be. It's what we were created for. It's what Jesus promises us. It's why he... He calms those storms, the wind and the waves, right? Remember that in the, in the storm when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus with a word calmed down the wind and the waves to let there be peace. We're going to the other side. Let's just get over there. Let's not worry about these winds and those waves. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. So even though there is nothing that I need to worry about, even though Jesus has everything that I need, how often we go chasing after other things. How often we go looking for other grass that maybe would taste better. We go after other experiences. We go after other opportunities. Sin is pleasurable for a season. But in its end, it's death. But we're kind of stupid. We're like sheep. And we go traipsing off looking for something better, hoping for something better. But David writes here that, that the Lord, the good shepherd, restores my soul. You see, even when we wander off into those places that aren't the paths of righteousness that God would lead us down, even when we wander off, yet, if we're willing to come back, if we're willing to heed the shepherd's voice and go back onto those paths with him, He'll restore our soul. He'll change those desires that are in us. He'll change that soul of ours from desiring things that are detrimental to us and the other sheep that are part of the flock. And change our desires so that we desire more of him and to be with him, to be led down those paths of righteousness. The Lord's prayer says, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. He leads us down paths of righteousness for his namesake, for his kingdom and his power and his glory forever and ever. And so he restores our soul. He leads us on paths of righteousness. If you find yourself today or you found yourself last week wandering off, eating of grass that wasn't so great, eating of things that don't really nourish your soul, They don't really give you life and life more abundantly. They go running back to the shepherd. Go running back to Jesus. Let him restore your soul today. Let him lead you back down those paths of righteousness. Psalm 23 continues. And King David writes, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that's Jesus. He's with us all the time, even in those valleys the shadow of death. When the shepherds would bring their sheep out of the corral and up into the summer feeding lands, the table lands they would be called, they would lead them through these very sharp, narrow valleys where there would be water and food for the sheep to eat while they worked their ways up to the plateau of the table lands. And oftentimes predators would hang out in the shadows there. And so it was up to the shepherd to be very vigilant. And watch over his sheep as they walked there. But the sheep says. You comfort me. Because you're with me. Even when we're in a valley. Even when we're in a valley that is this very shadow of death. That death has almost touched us. Because it's touched someone in our life. Even then Jesus is right there. Right there to comfort us. Right there to take every step with us. Right there to be with us. No matter what. The rest of the time. Fear is like a shadow. It's not real. We're fearful and we think it's going to be the end of the world because this or that might happen. But it's just a shadow. Jesus is there. And remember, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I won't live in fear because you're right there with me, Jesus. I don't need to be afraid of this thing. Just take another step and walk through that valley of the shadow of death. Towards the table that you've prepared for me. He's right there all along. And he says, right, the King David writes, he says there, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And again, not being all that familiar with sheep, it would be easy for us to pass by that. But but there are some significant points there too. The rod is something that maybe we aren't really very familiar with. It's kind of like a little club, something that the shepherd could use to defend himself and defend the sheep from predators, a weapon to be able to kill the bear and the lion that might come. It would have been small enough that he could throw it, maybe to strike a a snake, a poisonous snake that's hiding in a bush, or to scatter off some birds of prey if they came around. But it's a weapon with which he can use to defend those sheep against that which would attack them. And so that's comforting, knowing that our Jesus has this rod to be able to drive back those who would seek to do us harm. I like that. I like knowing my Jesus is there for me. My Jesus is there to protect me from things that might hurt me. And then it says, also with that rod, there are a couple other purposes, right? Because it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the rod, besides being used as a weapon, was also used um, as a way of discipline. And so the shepherd would use the rod and with a firm tap, let the sheep know that they're doing something wrong. The sheep know that this is a weapon. It could kill them if you wanted to. But he doesn't, because he loves them. He just uses the, the rod as a means of discipline to remind them that they're doing something that's dangerous, that's not healthy for them or for the flock, for those around them. And so you may have read the scripture that says, spare the rod, spoil the child. It's where that comes from. That same idea of using discipline as a way of protection, as a way of teaching, so that we don't do things that are dangerous for us. And so the shepherd had this rod, and Jesus has that rod to be able to discipline us. Scripture says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. So if perhaps we're going through a season of discipline, let's receive that discipline, and let's move forward in Jesus, knowing that he could kill us if he wanted to, but he doesn't because he loves us, because he has eternal patience for us. It's like a shepherd disciplining the sheep and saying, come on, I just want you to come back to the flock. I just want you to come here and stop doing those silly things, little sheep. Come back. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. I'll make sure you have everything you need. Right? Just don't go there again. Or you might get hurt. Or you might allow someone else to get hurt. And so he has the rod. And the rod's the last purpose of it, the shepherd would use it as a tool for inspecting the sheep. And there's a, a scripture that says that people would pass under the rod of judgment of the Lord. And so maybe you've heard the phrase pulling the wool over someone's eyes. The shepherd would use the rod to actually lift up the wool so that he could inspect the sheep. He could look at the skin and see if there were any cuts or bruises. He could look and see if there was um, any, any disease or any insects, perhaps, that are affecting the sheep. It would be a very intimate and a very careful examination. And so sometimes God uses his rod that way. To look under the hood and see what's going on in us. Not necessarily to bring correction, but to be able to bring healing. And to be able to make us whole again. To be able to find that which isn't working. In Psalm 51, King David says, Cleanse me with hyssop, that I may be clean. Wash me that I may may be whiter than snow. And that's what he's saying there. That's what the, the rod of judgment was for. Was to find those hidden things that are affecting us that we might be made whole again, that we might be made whiter than snow. Then there's the staff. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff's unique to being a a shepherd. No other herding, um, you know, herdman, you know, farmer, whatever, would ever have something like a, a staff, a shepherd's staff. It's got unique properties that make it effective for herding sheep. The shepherd would use that to pull a sheep close to him if the sheep perhaps maybe fell down in a gully or fell down an embankment. He could use it to pull a sheep out of, um, out of a thorny bush, right? Or, a, or some standing water. Shepherds would use it when the, the ewes had given birth to a lamb. And they would scoop up the newborn lamb and bring it to the mother sheep so that she could care for that little lamb without the shepherd touching it and getting his scent on it. Because if he did the lamb the you might reject the lamb and one of the things that i think is just absolutely wonderful the shepherd would sometimes when they were walking they would take that that staff and they would lay it along the side of a sheep to guide them past a dangerous section or just to let them know they're there that they that they're noticed but i haven't forgotten you little one i know what you're going through i know it's a hard journey and i'm right here and he'd lay his shepherd's staff on the, the back of the sheep or along the side of the sheep just to let them know, I'm right here. And Jesus does that. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm right here, little one. I know what you're going through. I know the hard time. I know the situation. I'm the good shepherd. I've got my rod. I can drive back the enemy. I've got my staff. I'll lay it down next to you just to let you know I'm here. And I love you. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. One of the great things about the, the anointing the head with oil is that when those insects would bother the sheep, the shepherd would anoint their heads with oil to keep the insects away. And so Jesus does the same. Those voices which can torment us, allow our, if we allow ourselves to be anointed by Jesus, to allow the Holy Spirit to anoint our heads, then we can drive those voices away. The Apostle Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus. Jesus will anoint our head with oil to drive off those voices, to let us be at peace, to let us rest. He says, my cup runs over. I can't help but think of like a wedding celebration with popping champagne and the champagne pouring out of the the bottles or or when a sports team wins a championship and they're shaking the bottles and the champagne's going everywhere. David saying the 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 sheep here are so free from any worry so free from having to worry about having enough for themselves or any other thing that they don't care their cup just runs over and they can enjoy their situation they're at perfect peace someone else has paid the price someone else has paid the expense and they can just celebrate my cup runs over surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life why because i've got this shepherd who's the lord and he provides for me and he cares for me and he loves me and he prepares a table for me to feast upon and it finishes off by saying and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever and that's that sheep saying i don't want to go anywhere else you know what the lord's my shepherd remember those sheep were talking at the beginning to one another and he's like who's your shepherd well let me tell you about my shepherd well, I'm going to live forever with the shepherd. There's no reason for me to go somewhere else. There's no reason for me to go wandering off and try to find some other shepherd to lead me. I'm going to let this shepherd lead me all the days of my life. I'm going to dwell in his house forever because he's my shepherd and he loves me and he cares for me. And so going back to that John chapter 10, remember Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay my my life down for my sheep and I take it up again, right? No one takes it from me. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to pick it up. It's an awesome thing about Jesus because not only did Jesus give his life for us, not only did he sacrifice his life, he then was risen from the dead. Completely different. No one else has done that except for, I suppose you could say Lazarus, and I suppose you could say the little boy that Elijah raises from the dead but they didn't lay their own lives down and then take them up. Only Jesus did that. He's the good shepherd. And so City Church, we've got to come to a close. I could talk all day. I love talking about Jesus, but we've got to wrap things up. And so I just encourage you, as you finish out this time of house church at home, talk about Jesus, the good shepherd. Talk about what he's done. Talk about who he is to you. Think about some ways to boast on him today. Know that he's in heaven and he's boasting on you. He's telling everyone just how great you are. He's letting everyone know that he loves you and he cares for you. And he wants nothing more than to treat you as his little sheep, to make sure you're well fed, to make sure your mind can be at rest, to make sure that those demons, those spirits, don't have any way of impacting you. So be at peace, City Church, and be blessed. Enjoy your time together. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless you, and we thank you, and we love you, Jesus. And we just pray for City Church in this season, and we pray, Lord God, that you will keep us ever in the palm of your hand. We love you and thank you. Amen.